Welcome to Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women, the podcast where we talk all things sex, sexuality, and pleasure. I'm Nana Daakwansichema. And I'm your girl, Malika Grant. And our guest today is one of my absolute favorite feminists. Malika, can you tell people who she is? Well, I can give them some clues. She's an Egyptian-American activist. She's a writer. And, you know, this final clue, come on, people, you have to be able to guess. She's always telling us to fuck the patriarchy. It is obviously the one, the only, Mona Elta Howey. I, you know, I recently learned that in Chinese, the, the menopause transition is referred to as the second spring. Isn't that wonderful? That's lovely. Right? Because the way that, you know, especially so-called Western um, cultures, plural, um, talk about the menopause transition is much more like as, as if it's the winter, you know, you're shriveling up somewhere and you're dying. But the Chinese refer to it as the second spring. And I love that idea. If that puberty is our first spring and, you know, we blossom into whatever we're going to bloom into, the menopause transition is our second spring. <laughs> So I have personally become more and more interested in what sex is like for older women. Mm -hmm. Maybe because I'm in that season of my life, personally, I'm 45. So am I. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I can't <laughs> believe it, right? I mean, where did the time go? It just left. <laughs> but then I want to hear more from older women about how sex is like when you're older how does it feel does it feel indifferent because we never really hear stories about older women and sex mm -hmm. and i think one of my personal favorite episodes for my first season was the auntie episode yeah aunties are still having great sex in their 50s and their 60s and their 70s you know <laughs> yeah. and it's really like it's amazing for me it's inspirational mm -hmm. because Today, we're talking about something that I feel like never really gets talked about a lot, the menopause. And so I guess I want to start by asking you, you know, um, what made you interested in the subject of the menopause? Sure. I think, you know, very soon after I turned 50, I would wake up in the morning with this impending sense of doom. And I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? Am I one of those like cliched women who are like, oh no, I'm getting older. And I'm like, no, <laughs> that is not what is happening. So what the fuck is going on with me? And I, you know, I began to ask, you know, I, I post on social media. I haven't been able to sleep. I've got all this anxiety. Um, is this the big M, you know, the menopause? And so I began to share my impacts as a way of basically blasting through the shame and the silence around it. And, and that's basically what has fueled my feminism. You know, whenever I feel a silence and a shame around something, I know I have to talk about it. And I, I often joke, but I'm quite serious, that instead of my monthly periods, because I, I used my menstrual cycle was so regular, instead of my monthly shedding of the lining of my uterus, I've been monthly shedding the patriarchal fuckery I've been socialized in. I love that so much. Oh my God, shattered the patriarchal fuckery. And I wonder, is this something that has also felt powerful to you about this stage in your life? Oh, absolutely. I mean, along with this, you know, shedding the lining of patriarchal fuckery is this incredible sense of shamelessness. Not that I was, you know, easily shamed before I entered the menopause transition, but even more so, and power, this, this really incredible sense of being centered 
of feeling powerful, of, you know, I, I'm known for going around the world saying, fuck the patriarchy, you know, at the beginning of my event and the end of my event. So I've not been a shrinking wallflower by any stretch of the imagination, but this menopause transition has just, it's like fueled me. It's like this jet fuel to my shamelessness and power. And I think its it became obvious to me that I needed to share this with people because it's exactly at this moment in our lives, especially for those of us who are cis women, it's exactly at this moment in our lives when the patriarchy tells us we're quote unquote invisible, we've shriveled up, we're irrelevant, you know, go over there and hide in a corner somewhere because no one wants to see you that I understand why it's doing it because we are so powerful and we are shameless and we will not be silenced. So that fueled me to talk even more about this transition in my life, just to share it, especially with other cis women who are struggling. Do you find that among your peers, they have like that similar jet fuel sensation going through menopause as well? Do you think like you're an outlier or is this something that, you know, most women in your circles at least are going through as well or experience? Absolutely. But it's interesting. They, they first of all need to acknowledge it and own it. Because I also hear from cis, cis women friends of mine who will tell me privately that they're struggling. And they appreciate that I'm speaking about it so openly because, say, it really is a matter of owning and accepting it. And, and research has actually shown that in workplaces, for example, when um, a woman, say a manager, talks openly about her menopause transition, She's much more respected by the people that she manages and her co-workers than those, for example, who hide their menopause impacts, who will, you know, get up and run out of the room if they're going through a hot flash or something, rather than say, well, fuck me, look at what the menopause is doing to me. Do you know what I mean? I, I often say um, what the menopause transition has done to me is um, it's forced me to look shame in the eye and dare it to test me. So that's what I've been doing for the past, like, you know, five or six years. Like, okay, Shane, test me because you don't know what I have in me. And I think that when we see each other doing this, when when one of our peers is doing this, it kind of makes us go, hmm, okay, I hadn't even considered that, you know? So that's what I'm hoping to do. I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, I can't force my experience on anyone, but I'm hoping that in in looking shame in the eye like that and daring it to test me, it inspires others to find their ways of testing and or, or daring rather shame. I love what you said around, you know, you recognize the need to speak up whenever you're told this is something we don't speak up about. And I'm also wondering if you feel comfortable sharing what some of the impacts of your menopause transition have been on you personally. Oh, absolutely. Because I've been talking about this left, right and center. So it's no secret. <laughs> you know, one, one of the most interesting kind of reflections um, for me has been to kind, to kind of go back as far as I can to see when things began to feel a bit different. And I remember sometime in my 40s, I'd be having sex and out of nowhere. I would experience vaginal dryness. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And I was like, Dr. Chen, this is vaginal dryness out of nowhere. I'm only like, you know, 44 or whatever. And she said, well, you know, it could be the position. And we're sitting there talking about, you know, sex positions with my doctor. And she's like, oh, that's so great. That's amazing. Right? So she was saying like, maybe less doggy style, maybe scissor or whatever. You know, so we were doing all these positions. <laughs> Less doggy, more missionary. Exactly. <laughs> so I was like, I will keep that in mind. Thank you, Dr. Jen. <laughs> and so that was an early one. And then um, 
because I was on an IUD with um, a low dose of progesterone, I think that that staved off a, a many other impacts. But when I came mm. off that IUD, I think it all just kind of like rushed in. So I had very, very heavy periods and a lot of cramping, which I never used to have. My period was like clockwork. Every month, no, hardly any PMS. I was very lucky, hardly any PMS, no cramping. But this was like the past 40 years of all this luck just kind of came raining down on me. It was like a flood <laughs> and awful cramps. And then the anxiety. I think the anxiety and the insomnia were like some of the worst impacts. I would wake up every hour and a half, night sweats and anxiety. So those were the ones that that really, really stood out for me. But I understood from talking about them that it was vaginal dryness that was the most taboo. So I was like, okay, this is my test now. So I, I went and wrote, and it was very soon after I wrote my first essay about my two abortions. I thought, okay, what now is brave? Because the way that I challenge myself in my work is I constantly ask myself, am I being brave? And I realized that I wasn't being brave when I hadn't written publicly about my abortions. I talked to friends about them, but hadn't written about them. So that was my challenge to myself. Once I wrote about my two abortions, I was like, okay, what's next? And I thought, that's it, vaginal dryness. Nobody's talking about vaginal dryness. So I wrote an essay called Moisturize Your Vagina because that's what you have to do. In the morning, you moisturize Moisturize your face. At night, you moisturize your vagina. And also, I have to ask, how do you moisturize your vagina? I'm glad to share. Thank you for asking, Nana. So you moisturize your vulva and your vagina, obviously, because you know vagina is like the short word, but we all know it's the vulva and the vaginal canal. Of course. So um, hyaluronic acid, which is a very popular ingredient of facial moisturizers, is something Mm. that our body produces naturally. But when our hormones begin to change through the menopause transition, um, we produce less. And so any skin surface obviously is impacted by this. So in the same way that you have to moisturize your face, especially, you know, as you're going through the menopause transition and lotion and all of that for the rest of your body, there are hyaluronic lotions for for the vulva. And there are suppositories that contain hyaluronic acid and vitamin E for the vaginal canal. So for two years, I was that that's exactly what I was using. And then in the run-up to what I knew or what I hoped for would be my because you know, did you know that the word menopause refers to just one day? And it's the one day that marks 12 months that you haven't had a period. It's one day. That's why I say menopause transition. So because I I had a feeling that my menopause day was coming up, I went to Dr. Chen, with whom I've been sharing my impacts. Mm. And I said to her, Dr. Chen, I want to talk about hormone therapy with you, even though I don't want to do hormone therapy. But there is one thing that I'm obsessed with, and that is vaginal atrophy, because fuck everything, I am not going to allow vaginal atrophy to, <laughs> to, to happen. <laughs> and I'm assuming vaginal atrophy is like your vagina dying somehow? Well, basically, so what happens is with, um, especially with the decrease of um, estrogen, the vaginal wall thins and begins to kind of get narrower and narrower. And this is where that kind of like old phrase, use it or lose it comes in. And the use it or lose it is quite ableist because not everyone is able to have sex in the ways that they usually use, say they use it or lose it. But what what is usually recommended is that you just keep the blood flow going 
to the genital area. So masturbation, um, if you're into vaginal penetration, penetration with a partner, with a toy, anything, you know, but anything to keep the blood going to that part of your body because the walls of the vaginal canal thin and it narrows. And it's important not just for vaginal penetration for those of us who enjoy it and want it, but it's important for things like, say you have a UTI and you need to go to the doctor and get examined. There are some um, people with vaginal canals who cannot be examined because the walls have collapsed so much that it's too painful. So this is serious. I mean, like, you know, I joke about my powerful vagina. This is serious yeah. stuff. So I, I take this suppository. Um, I use, I put a, uh, you know, my pussy suppositories um, every night and I've been using them now since the beginning of November and it's, it's worked great for me. I'm really glad you talked about an IUD and the after effects because I just got fitted for an IUD in December in anticipation of my 45th birthday because I was like, I'm done with my period. This is enough. It's been 30 years. Well, almost 40 years. I got my period when I was like nine. It's really enough. Um, and so one of the things that my OB had also talked about, which, you know, she used a different word, but I believe it's vaginal atrophy. She was like, yeah, your stuff is collapsing. So you might want to go do like um, some yoga to strengthen the internal walls. And I was like, okay, I'll get to it. But now I'm really going to get to it um, because I can't have my stuff just dying in the middle of the night. Like, no, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not my lot in life. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that, Malaika, too. Because, you know, when I wrote that essay, Moisturize Your Vagina, first of all, it's my most popular essay on the menopause transition, and I've written several. And so many people have written to me, you know, cis women and non-binary people, people with, you know, vaginal canals, and have written and said, thank you, thank you, thank you. I had no idea. I mean, there is a medical term for vaginal atrophy that doesn't sound like, you know, your vagina is dying, <laughs> but it's very long. So vaginal atrophy, if that, you know, puts the fire in your belly and the fire in your pussy to go, you know, get things taken care of, I will, I will scare you to it. <laughs> the most important thing is to just pay attention to it because our changing hormones really do change a lot in, in our genital area. And there are ways that we can work with that. You know, it, it doesn't mean it's the end of your vagina doesn't have to die. <laughs> your sex life doesn't have to die. <laughs> the ways that you want to, to still feel pleasure do not have to disappear just because you're going through the menopause transition. And I'm wondering, Mona, if you can give any tips for people who want to be able to navigate this kind of conversation with their gynae. I mean, it sounds like you have a wonderful gynae, but then you know, any tips for people who want to start having that conversation? Well, I think that if if your um, gynecologist is not comfortable talking to you about these things, you need a new gynecologist, honestly. So I, I would suggest, you know, beginning a conversation with your gynecologist by saying, look, I think I'm going through the menopause transition and I would like to talk to you about my options. You know, it's your right to have that conversation because it's your right to pleasure. And I know that that's at the heart Absolutely. of your podcast. Pleasure is our right, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like part of the reason why there really isn't much conversation about the menopause is somehow people feel like, oh, sex is for reproduction. And now you're at an age where you can't have children. So this is not important. And this is something we definitely have to resist. So I think that that is exactly it, Nana. It's about um, our daring to want to continue to have pleasure beyond our so-called reproductive years. And for uh, I'm child-free by choice. I've never wanted to have a child. And I think this is where, um, especially women who have had children, I think it becomes this really wrenching time because for many of them, they feel they've done everything right. You know, they, they married who they should have. They had children when they should have. 
And then you get to this stage of life and then you're like, I've done everything that was expected of me. And now I'm supposed to just shrivel up and, you know, go and die in a corner. And that's where this like volcano erupts. And so many women either file for divorce, um, walk out somewhere, you know, go somewhere. Find a lover. Thank you. Exactly. (laughs) And just upend everything, you know, for a reason, because this volcano erupts and tells her you have power and you now, Mm. and, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll live another two or three decades, life expectancy, if it takes us to 80. And, you know, I'm I'm now 55. That's 25 years, you know. What do I want to do with 25 years of my life, you know? Mm, That is a great question. Soon after I I turned 50, I felt this anxiety coming on. And I went, I think it was a year without having sex, which is, if you'd said that to me, like 10 years ago, I would have said, get the fuck out of here. That's not true. That's not going to happen. <laughs> and, and, and I would have said that because I fought really hard to liberate my sexuality from the shame and guilt that I was socialized into. So, yeah. and when I read about older women and, and sex, um, sadly, I, I hear for a lot of cis women, especially white women, and I don't know why uh, this is a conversation they need to have amongst themselves, but I, I keep hearing again and again, including among feminists, I'm so glad to be rid of this now. I never want to yeah. have sex again. I'm done with this. I'm like, oh my mm-hmm. God, sex is like a life force for me. Because in in, in my essay, uh, Moisturize Your Vagina, I said I had just come off this, you know, this dry spell, right? This one year of not having sex. And I said, during that year, I realized that I had been robbed twice. Because I feel that when I was younger, I was robbed of a sex life because of the ways that I was socialized into waiting to get married, to have sex. And then all the guilt I had to, I, I, I say I, I fucked the guilt out of my system. I, I literally spent years fucking the guilt out of my system and making up quote unquote for lost time. <laughs> but um, the second robbing was this, you know, this year of, of not having sex. And I was like, I'm not done. And, and I bring that up because I think that's what a lot of us also need to know about the menopause transition. Yes, the hormones do have very physical impacts on you, but it's not just the hormones. It's what you're going through, all these life stresses that will have impacts on you, that will have you going without sex for a whole year and kind of say, okay, what is it in my life right now that I need to change? so that I can feel that I am sexual, that, that I, I, I own pleasure and all of this. Not in a way of going back to what I used to be, because I don't believe in going back. There is no going back anywhere, but emerging into this second spring. How can I emerge into the Mona that I am now going to be for the next 20 to 30 years, hopefully? What specifically were you feeling shame around? Like, I know when you are young and virginal, you know, we feel shame about having sex outside of marriage. Um, You know, there's all these different types of shame. But I've never heard about shame with regard to menopause because menopause is supposed to be, like you said, the end of the road. And so, you know, there is no existence. So there is no shame. What made you feel shame? What made you carry shame? Well, I think the shame is because of these messages that that we're bombarded with that we're shriveled up and dried, I mean, vaginal dryness, dried up, you know, shriveled up. No one will desire you anymore. Uh, you're supposed to be invisible. And and I, I didn't feel any of those things. I mean, like, I have a primary partner. I'm polyamorous. I'm non-monogamous. So it's not like, you know, I, I, I signed myself into a nunnery and, you know, lived celibate for the rest of my life. It was that one year, and, you know, that year is behind me now. But um, is there anything that is considered more like pathetic or or shameful than being a cis 
woman with a dry vagina because you know that's that's basically what you're told yeah. you know you're dried and shriveled up yeah. there, there was a troll on twitter a few years ago who i think it was during that year when i wasn't having sex who called me a menopausal whore and i was like i fucking wow. wish no no but i, I wish i wish i was I a menopausal was. whore <laughs> that's what i want to be it's my ambition to be a menopausal whore <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh that's behind goodness. me now, but that sounds aspirational. <laughs> exactly. I wanted to write to them and say that's exactly what I want to be, but of course, it wasn't meant to be a compliment. Do you know what I mean? So, um, this this idea of invisibility and being dried up and shriveled up and no one wants you is is this lie that white supremacist, capitalist, hetero patriarchy, you know, bell hooks, we we honor you, uh, long told us about, and and we are now at a stage where for many of us, we are at the most powerful stage in our life. And for all of us to have that reckoning with patriarchy, whether it's white supremacist, if we, uh, obviously that it's global, but with whatever patriarchal powers that have tried to define us in the past, this is our moment now to really have the reckoning with it. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love, I love that. It. Malika, do you want to ask our last question that we are asking everybody for this season? Oh, yes. Okay. can you please share a sexy secret with us oh my goodness a sexy secret see i i I feel like i have no secrets now because i'm just so shameless i i I tell everyone everything i mean i've told you everything dry vagina (laughs) polyamory non-monogamy what more do you want masturbation do you want to see my sex toys i I don't know what else to tell you Sexy Fine. What's your favorite sex toy? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for the longest time, it was a really simple, just pocket rocket. Do you remember those pocket rockets? Um, mm. So I used to love the way that they advertise them. The pocket rockets used to be advertised this way. Sending more women into outer space than NASA. <laughs> I used to love that. <laughs> oh, I love <laughs> it. That a great line? I love awesome. it. But, but I graduated myself to all these others. There, there's this one. I can't remember what this one is called now, but it's the one that stimulates your G-spot if you want to use it intravaginally but also stimulates your clitoris i have a rabbit it's the tracy of, dog the tracy dog it, that must be it I, I don't know the names i just know what they do yes <laughs> they do great yes, things yes. <laughs> it's the tracy dog i know my friend gave it to me for my birthday this year it's really great excellent and, and you know the one that i next want to get but i'm I'm not a big fan of suction but that you know the suction the one the rose, yeah it's amazing then get i gotta it, get it get then. it okay yes I mean, these people need to come and like sponsor the Adventures podcast. Because Seriously. I will be plugging them all of the time. <laughs> I love it. So if you recommend it, Nana, that's it. That's next on my list then. I do. I do. I actually prefer the Womanizer to the Tracy Dog. Okay. So Womanizer. It's got a horrible name. I don't know why it's called the Womanizer. The name is so, so, so horrible. But yeah. I think Tracy Dog toy. is a worse name than Womanizer. Like, I think <laughs> Tracy Dog just reminds me of a, a kennel. But I recently got this rose. Everybody on like on Twitter was talking about the rose, the rose, if you do the rose mm. in the shower. So I was like, I got a rose. It was a buy one, get one free. And I gave one to a friend and she had mine for like three months because I'd traveled and she was like literally in seconds. I was like, okay. All right. <laughs> so wait, okay. is, is it the, the rose, isn't it similar to the, oh no, the rose is like, it's got, it, it's got petals, right? Whereas the it's womanizer is just it's the, so the, pretty. Right. Okay, then clearly I I have things to do. I have homework. (laughs) (laughs) Mona, it's been a delight having you on our show. Thank you so much. You're such an inspiration and a 
a force of life and this second spring is going to be even more amazing. Your first spring was incredible. I can't wait to see you step even more into your into your power in the second spring. Continue to be an inspiration for the rest of us. Thank you so much. Nana, I walked away from this conversation so super inspired and quite frankly, really looking forward to menopause. What about you? <laughs> I mean, I didn't know if I'll say I'm looking forward to the menopause, but to be honest, my menopause transition has already started. Mm. And because of this conversation with Mona, and also because I'm actually contributing to an anthology that Mona's editing on the menopause, I've done a bit more research. I've interviewed my own mom, which I think I mentioned in that conversation, you know, about her experience of the menopause. And I'm feeling a bit more confident about how to deal with whatever may may come my way because the menopause is a transition. It's a stepping into another phase of life. And I like how Mona describes it as a second spring. Yes, the second spring is so beautiful. I don't think we should be thinking about it in this kind of terrifying way that a lot of us have thoughts about the menopause, right? It's like, how do you, yeah, how do you step into into your power? Mm -hmm. How do you do that? So I love that framing. Yeah. And I hope that all of our listeners take that away as well. Don't be afraid. It's a transition. It is not the end. And I think we just need to educate ourselves, right? Like every transition comes with its challenges. But it also comes with opportunities like being able to wear white dresses and not having your period. <laughs> it sounds like bliss. Ah, second spring. Come visit us all. Bless us with your showers. What? You, so you're not experiencing it, Malaika? You and I are around the same age. Yeah, no, I'm not experiencing menopause. However, um, I have kind of induced the, the benefits of it mm. with my IUD. So I haven't had a period since February. Okay. Yes, I too can wear white. Okay, you too can wear white. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women. We'll see you on the next episode. And remember, keep coming. The Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women podcast is hosted by Malaika Grant and Nana Darkose Chiama. Sally Chan, AQ Studios CEO, is an executive producer alongside the hosts. Ferdy Boswell is a senior producer. Audio editors are Mercy Barno and Tevin Sudi, alongside production support from Mercy Gudaga and Lucas Ngao. The Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women podcast is a production of AQ Studios in partnership with Masi Media. Follow us on all our socials at AQ Studios Podcasts. Our theme music is Damn by Ria Boss. Find Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women anywhere you get your podcasts and in the pursuit of all things sex, sexuality and pleasure. Follow us on all our social media platforms at Adventures From. Thank you for listening. Damn, she's so blind. God damn, she's my guy. God damn.